This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Internation, how are you? Super exciting podcast. Uh, today is one of those special episodes where I get to go in depth with a new business. You know me. Uh, I pretty much want to open a new business every day of my life. Uh, but this one has a, a real special feeling. As a matter of fact, if you go to vcrgroup.com right now, if you're not walking dog or working out or on a flight, uh, if you can go to it, vcrgroup.com, that is the new hospitality restaurant group that I'm starting with David Rodelitz, excuse me, and Josh Capon, uh, Chef Josh Capon. Uh, you'll see the heart in our logo. And, and that's how I feel about this one. This one would be the devastation of my life if it's not successful because I've, I've been in business for a long time. I have incredible partnerships. Obviously, I've mainly been in my business with my dad, my brother. Um, but this one feels so, so, so right. So I'm very excited to uh, introduce them to my broader community through this podcast. We're going to go into where the hospitality industry is, what's going on with post-COVID restaurant life, the New York scene, and a little bit of like origin story, comic book number one with these two gentlemen. So first let's start with David Rodelitz. Roddy, as you're known by the people that care about you, why don't you tell the Vayner Nation a little bit about yourself? Forget about what we're doing with VCR Group. We're yeah. talking about a kid that grew up in Long Island. Like, talk to me about you. Super excited to be here. Thank you, Gary. Uh, grew up in Long Island, as you mentioned. Been entrepreneurial my entire life. Worked at the local bowling alley, delivered pizza, just always found a way to stay active and try to make money. And um, I like putting in time to something and seeing some sort of result. It was a cool connection for me. So uh, wait, wait, in the height of you working at the bowling alley, what was the 217. height? 217. Wow. 217. My, my dad, my dad was actually, and Capon could attest to this, my dad's like a renaissance man. And everything he does, he does very And he used to go to that bowling alley that, that I worked at. We lived down the street from a bowling alley. And my dad was bowling 300s. Perfect scores, 300s. Yes, perfect scores when he was 15 years old. Insane. It was insane. So I... Would you, would you say here on the show right off the bat that your dad is a better man than you? Yeah, my dad is definitely a better man than me. Um... <laughs> But that's a, that's a different topic. Thank we'll, you. We'll put you on the couch and have that episode in a couple of months. All right. And so how did your kind of professional hospitality food career start? What was the first seed of that? I mean, the first seed of that was I used to rent out teen clubs when I was in high school. I would get everybody in our high school, all the seniors and juniors, to get excited about going to Manhattan. I would rent a bus. I would sell tickets. I would then bring them to these alcohol-free places. Everyone would think it, would, it was the best night of their life. I started would making- Would there be alcohol at these alcohol-free, you know- no Don't answer that question, Roddy. Don't answer that question. No alcohol. Understand. And yeah, it was just, it was cool. It was, it was entrepreneurial. Nobody was doing it. Uh, you know, the prom scene in Long Island was a big deal when we were growing up and there were these after parties after prom in Manhattan. And that was a big, that was a big event. Um, so that was the first start of it. And then in college, I started an event planning company. I became like the social chair of the entire Greek life of university in Maryland. I would plan people's data parties. Their Let's go, Maryland. 
And it was just, it was something that came natural to me. I've always been a social person. I enjoyed interacting with people at scale, vendors, venues, guests, clients. It, it was just fun for me. And that just continued to segue into the next thing. I then created a nightlife marketing promotions company in Manhattan as I graduated college. We owned and operated lounges, bars, and nightclubs. Then that segued into restaurants and hospitality. I met Chef Alex Stupak in my late 20s. Figured that was a good time to try to be able to. Hey, Dustin, does it sound like Roddy is giving this interview in the woods with crickets and frogs chirping in the background? Um, sounds okay to me. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right, we'll keep it going. I hear, I hear crickets. Yeah, maybe, we'll, listen, as long as Dustin thinks it's good. I mean, the crickets are on fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Roddy, it's interesting, by the way. Hold on, Capo, we didn't even introduce you. Yeah, you know, I, I need no introduction. Okay, well, tell everybody who you are before you've been chirping the whole time. Chirping and all that. Like, can you tell well, everybody? Well, Roddy, our, 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 our roots run deep, and we're both a couple of Terps from University of Maryland, which is kind of cool. Um, I was cooking for everybody in the Greek life, and he was organizing the parties and all the Greek life. But you but were there like 20 years before Roddy was there, right? Wow. wow. <laughs> I, also, I also was there for a much abbreviated time, because some of us didn't last the four years, and I had to get the hell out of there before they died. Um, but but the truth is... Hey, can, by the way, died is slang for kicked out of school for shit grades. Nobody got kicked out of school, <laughs> got, right? Got, got My it. parents pulled me out before that happened. Got it. Got and it. I made a mature decision at a young age to transfer to culinary school where, where my true passion lied. Because every job I've had since I was 14 years old was in a bakery, a dishwasher, a line cook. I invented the everything bagel. But going back to what I said, <laughs> no, I, just... I invented, I am going on record, I invented the everything bagel at Pomona Hot Bagels. The owner of the bagel place looked at me and said, stop playing around. I said, no, I'm telling you, I'm on to something over here. And then three weeks later, David Bagels introduced the everything bagel. Fact. It's not on Google. You don't need to look it up. It on looks Google. like David. Yeah, he worked David from David's Bagels. Claims he invented it. Three blocks down around, the street. Hold on. Sometime around 1980. That, you're not listening to me? How old were you? It all lines up. <laughs> I was 14 years old. It all makes sense. It's a true story. I couldn't make that up if I tried. I love Capon. I love you. I don't. Capon, I love you. I don't think this is accurate. 72. Okay, well, you were eight. I was eight working at the bagel shop. <laughs> he just said 14. It's 14. Dave's <laughs> bagels came and stole my bagel. Point is, and what I organized. Have you ever had this conversation with David Gusson? We don't talk because he knows he stole he stole my magic formula. I'm gonna find you with Capon. He stole your IP. Is that what you're saying? And when well, you're eight years old, that's why you should have put the bagel on the blockchain and NFT'd it because nobody can steal well, it. Well, back then, unfortunately, there was no blockchain. Um, but Roddy, what I was gonna say was after my prom, I organized the whole the whole high school to go to the after party at Limelight. Remember Limelight? Of course. Of course, I, of course, people were so pissed the next day. I was getting threatening, like, how dare you, we party in the church. I'm like, listen, it was it was, a, it was the hottest club in New York City at the time. I led you to the promised land. Everybody Does Dustin know you have this beef? Yeah, listen, don't start, all right? Don't start. You just fucking dropped a bomb in here. I invented the everything bagel. I said it once, I'll say it again. It's a true story. I was there when it happened. Cole Prussian, my best friend. He's Ronald, by the way, he's Ronald's <laughs> cousin as well. It's fact. Is it's verified. Wait a minute. 
Your best friend is Rodolitz's cousin? How crazy is that? We First cousin. It's like second cousins, but we found this out about a month ago. Josh called me at like 1130 at night with, on conference with his best friend. And his best friend's explaining to me that his dad or mom is my uncle once removed. And yeah, we're like related. Dang, this is all this is all Bashar. This is all meant to be. This was in the stars a long time ago. Wow. All right, let's keep going. I'm still stuck on it. Listen, this podcast is finished. Everybody go to vcrgroup.com. That's that's all we can see. Yeah, well, like this everything bagel thing, I'm not going to let it go. Is it true? It's true story. I was 14 years old. <laughs> I, literally I was believe- making the bagels and one day you either have to put sesame or poppy or onion or salt. And I said to Stella, who owned the bagel, I said, I have an idea. Let's put everything on the bagels. And she yelled at me, she should stop playing games and you did the bagels. I said, Stella, I'm What was like Gus in like the back room heard it and did like, I don't understand. She this shot board, it down. Look, this she guy David Gusson looks like a nice guy. He came in, he came in to check on what was going on. And I think he overheard the conversation. He went back to David's bagels. Do you have a real beef with Gusson? I don't have any beef. I have no beef with nobody. Like a really nice guy. Okay, can we not scroll David? Is that David from David's Bagels, by the way? Yes, this is David. Told you. This is Gusson. And I said, you listen, you know, innovation, right? You have to keep up with innovation. The bagel is so new. It's not, it was, I had to. Yeah, see? Anyway, okay. So, K-Pod, you're a celebrity chef. Speaking of which, I have a bag of everything flagels over there. I'm not, please. Yes, we're going to do a little smoked salmon. Everybody in the podcast, if you were listening in on the Facebook uh, live audio we did. I've already announced that I ate way too much food. They were over last night. We had, we had a board meeting. I'm not doing board meetings anymore with this food <laughs> because I'm getting <laughs> tonight. You have here's the deal. So you have I, no self control, Gary. No self control. Roddy, thank you. You have no you have no self control. That's not true. I'm fully moderate. Life is about moderation. I'm in moderation. I don't eat for the whole day, and then for dinner I go to town. And well, if you're I, gonna put I'm, caviar bellinis in front of me, I'm gonna eat well, them all. If I, now, all of them. If I put six out, you're gonna eat six. Correct. If I put fifty out, you're gonna eat fifty. That's right. So now I'm gonna have to only give you four. Okay. Meanwhile, you can. Can we put Roddy on mute? The crickets are bothering me. Meanwhile. You've never seen somebody happier than Capon last night watching me eat everything. Not just everything, but not only do you like everything bagels, you like humans that eat everything. Yes. Listen, when I we, listen, so so you know, Gary rented the house in the Hamptons. David and I came out because we had a couple podcasts to do, which is very nice. We spent a wonderful night together. I got out of here. I'm cooking all day long, watching these guys do their thing while I'm doing my thing. But then I said 7:30, cameras go off, computers go down. I'm making fresh pineapple margaritas. I got shrimp cocktail caviar bellinis. And from that point on, Gary did not stop eating. I gave him a 16-ounce veal chop. At one point, he was gnawing on the bone where I literally had to say, Gary. Have you seen my Hot Ones episode? Please check out Hot Ones. Google Hot Ones, Gary B. I eat things to the bone because that's the proper way. Okay, but you were gnawing into the bone like a dog. I like like marrow. Listen, man. What what can what what's missing in the hospitality group that we're bringing to the table? Like, what? what why should we exist? I am I muted, or you hear me? You're loud. Go ahead. Cool. I think I think innovation. I think creativity and innovation, you know, generally does not exist. I think this industry has been left behind. So I think you know we're going to bring that to create very thoughtful guest experiences that are that are amazing for people 
Okay, but what about some of the I don't want stuff? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody that's currently in the hospitality business. Um, because look, there's a ton of great shit. There's a ton of stuff, great stuff going on. Roddy's the jerk. No, (laughs) no, but I mean, I I just think we're going to approach things a little differently. You know, our, our mission statement or, or, or or what VCR stands for is old world hospitality meets new world technology. And obviously between Roddy and I and what we bring to the table. You bring the old. We bring the (laughs) (laughs) old. I'm pretty current. And what Gary brings to the table, there, there's going to be some real leverage, there's going to be some real innovation, and we're going to approach things differently. And honestly, I just think there's going to be a lot of empathy. And I know you have a wine company called Empathy yeah, Wine. I sold it, which which has done very well. But I, I, I just I just think the fact that even the fact that we're all here in this house, that we that you invited us we're out, friends. Go, it, it just and I think that's going to and we want to treat everybody yes. on our team as friends. Starting with starting with our listen, team. Let me jump in here. I think this has been very big conversation behind the scenes. And I know my audience that listens to this podcast. So many of you know me. You know how much I talk about kindness, this, that, the other thing. Listen, I, I, I think I've told both of you this. I have a new book coming out in November that is very hardcore around emotional intelligence. And I think you know you bring it up again here. So I want to go right behind. I want to take the curtain away because I want to bring value to this podcast. You know, I know everybody who's listening to this is going to visit VCR restaurants once we open that. That's not about, that's not the punchline here for me. I want people to learn or get an insight. What has been very big for me, and you, and I even again, the way you delivered the sentence, I know where you were going. This whole notion that the hospitality industry is a high intensity business because people that are at the best, if you think about it, a chef at her or his best is often one of two things, or when I think they're iconic, two of two things, which is one, an actual artist from a culinary standpoint of the food. And then if they're really specialists, right? This is why I wanted to be in business with you, Mr. Capon. Also a front of the house maestro and makes people really want to be there. Both of those put incredible subconscious or even obvious pressure on everyone around them to support that. Unfortunately, and we talked about this last night after I put 800 pounds into me, I talked to you about a thing that happened to me recently that was very intense. And I was kind of talking about how when I'm at my most upset with my team, I go into a cocoon. I don't want them to be affected by it. And I almost go into this like kind of fucking cocoon process, come back out and ready to deal to the point where one time I left wine library in my twenties and went to sleep at 4 p.m. in the afternoon because that's how deep the cocoon had to be because that's how devastating the situation was. And we were talking about and, and I think anybody listening right now, and they've seen the Hell's Kitchen and the, like, there's a culture that sometimes isn't kind enough by the three of us standards to the people. And I think we were very passionate about standing that up. Yes? 100%. People are going to see the BCR Group logo. If you go to bcrgroup.com right now, you'll see the logo. And there's a purposely a heart in our logo. Of course, we mean that for everybody who's listening now. We want to love the living shit out of you when you come to our restaurants. But I think for all three of us, it was a sing- it was a secret wink to we want to love the first day on the first job, entry level job in our shops. I think that's going to be big. In the restaurant business, the people who work for us and with us are called family. 
And I think when you're treated like real family, because we spend a tremendous amount of time and hours and holidays and weekends together, you got to treat these people with respect. Because bottom line, if your career is taking care of everybody else, you better make sure that you wherever it is that you're working. You know, and also just most important, I think, being valued and understanding what your strengths are um, in terms of anything what you do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you have to stay true to who you are and, and people around you need to understand that as well. And I, I tell the story when we solidified this deal, um, when the three of us came together a weekend in Miami and we were sitting around a table together and my wife, who's always by my side because she's my partner in crime and in life. And Gary looked at me and said, you know, okay, Bob, please make sure your wife is always at these meetings going forward because you're over there thinking about the lobster rolls that you're going to make for lunch. And she's taking care of all the business then. And the truth is I was thinking about the lobster rolls. <laughs> the life, but more importantly, the fact that you understood that and knew where my head was at was something I'll never forget because that's who I am. And yesterday when I got to this house and I was preparing dinner for five hours and Roddy is to my right, crushing coals left and right and, and organizing the website. And I'm listening to you over here to my left, doing what you do best. And I just felt so comfortable doing what I'm doing because come 730, it's like, all right, guys, let's eat. Let's have some fun because that's what I do. And I think that's the most important, valuable lesson that people need to understand. I think for everybody who's listening, and I'll let Roddy jump in and add some color commentary. What's really interesting, I've never had a starting point with, I'm trying to think, well, actually not true. Well, different. Empathy. I had two partners, John Trauman and Nate Schroeder. We had an incredibly blitz of a business with empathy with this very successful exit to Constellation Brands. But they weren't my equals. They were my minority partners. They grew up being my interns and became my partners, which is in a lot of ways a better story than this is, but a different story. But I've never been in a situation where I go in where you have an equal partnership in a lot of ways. And what's really interesting is I think when you have three cooks in the kitchen, you have none. And I'm very scared of business partnerships. But what's interesting for me, and I I hope to talk about this in 10 years in my business life after we successfully create this dance, I do think that self-awareness and over-communication give you a prayer and different skill sets and everybody truly understand, listen, we are gonna have our days, right? Like, you know, it's really funny. I'm interesting because I'm an operator. People, you know, a lot of people are confused because they see the map. Some people think I'm a motivational speaker. Some people think I'm a mascot. I've operated every business I've ever run. So things that I've been involved with a little more passively or even X companies where I'm not the driver because I'm the driver of VaynerMedia, but Harwood's the driver of Gallery or James Orsini of Sasha or Avery, she drives Vayner NFT. I'm so empathetic to the operator because I remember when I was in my dad's business, I was the operator and when he would come out of left field and not have the context, it drove me crazy. It devastated me so much too that I'm petrified. Like I already know how I'm gonna act in our board meetings or at the restaurant. Like I'm gonna have passions. I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm not close enough. I can't, I have to be in a lot of ways, the one C in our relationship. And then there's gonna be other things that I am about. And I think that self-awareness, and I think for everybody who's listening, I do think that there's incredible ways to have business partnerships but I think it's about being the bigger woman and bigger man and having empathy and always, always, always coming from the other person's point of view. As a matter of fact, in the new book that I have coming up, I have this scenario I talk about in the book of accountability when your partner steals money from you and how you can actually wow. continue 
from that. And even by Roddy's response, everyone who's listening, that's a 99% death blow yep. in a partnership. 99. And I talk about, is it? Like, how'd you get there? Maybe if you weren't not interested in not looking at the number. Like, you know, it's, it, I'll, I'll leave that for another day, but Roddy, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think everything you said is, is 100% right. I think VCR group, the common thread of caring about people and taking care of one another and just being a good dude and, and having that be um, the foundation of the group is, is the most important. And then I think each one of us do something that's completely different and complementary to one another that we can lean on each other and not step on each other's toes. So I feel very comfortable in the, in the business realm and, and keep being our, our plays. And I know that I have, you know, your support guy, we're on text all day. We're on, you know, so many different live conversations and zooms, but you're giving me the confidence to really run with it. And from a culinary standpoint and a branding standpoint and a personality standpoint um, and content creation, I don't think there's anybody better than Capon. So I feel extremely confident doing what I'm doing because I'm able to um, rely on you guys and the things I need. I think we each leverage one another really well. And then I think there's a collaborative effort that when we're sitting in a room or having a bottle of wine and talking through what we want, do we want to touch that project? Do we not want to do this? I think ultimately it always yields the right decision. Um, we're fully transparent. We're honest with one another. There's nothing hidden and we respect everybody. So, and I think the most important part, and there's obviously mixed, you know, people think differently about this, but we all care about each other. We're all friends. That's how this was birthed. Um, we didn't come out of left field and say, let's just do a business together. Gary and I have been friends for 10 years. Capon and I have been friends for 20 years. You know, we, we've all watched each other's careers. Gary, you've supported me on a previous business venture that's gone well. So I, I think that there's um, already momentum of, um, of a relationship. Uh, we, we know what we all stand for. And now we're finding our strengths together as a team to bring value to people. I, I want to add one thing. Please. You can't over-communicate. I don't, right. I don't think you can over-communicate. I think you need to be honest and, and, and transparent, especially in, in relationships, both business and personal, because then you'll never find yourself in a position where your business partner's stealing from you. That's right. Um, as, as far as, you know, the three of us, I think, you know, to quote the movie, one of my favorite movies of The Girl Next Door, we're, we're a tripod. Yeah. We're Josh, how many movies do you watch? Not that many. This is an old movie, but it's a great movie. I haven't seen it. But we are a tripod. Yeah, just a tripod, everybody. Just there's, a, there's three legs yeah, to so a tripod. I know what's in a tripod. For everybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's Did listening. you see the movie? Did you see no. the movie? By the way, this has been the best part of VCR Group. Like, Capon references three movies a day. I've watched three movies in my life. And the disconnect is astonishing, yet we still love each other. Capon, talk to me about not to over brag a little bit here, and, and Roddy, if you can go on mute, because it resets your crickets. Your crickets are crazy. Um, but maybe people are, by the way, on the record, Dustin said that they can't hear the crickets, or he can't, so we'll see if it translates. I think it brings a nice ambiance to the episode if, it, if they can, but when did you cross, when did you realize you were crossing into a little bit of like celebrity chef land. Cause you have, it's not like you're the biggest celebrity chef, but I want to talk, touch on this a little bit. Like you've won a bunch of burger bashes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did have a TV show at some point or at least a pilot or did air oh, one, I, season, I, I, one season yeah. or maybe you'll correct. I, I actually don't fully know, but um, you're incredibly adored in the New York scene. You're known broader. I'm just more, this is a little bit of like getting to know 
all of us a little bit for this audience. When did you know your your career's going? You're starting to make some noise as an executor. You're doing well as a chef. When did it start crossing into broader awareness? Like when was the first time more people heard of you? Was it a page six mention? Did you win a competition? I just actually don't know this, which is why it's fun for me. When's the first time you got a little more broad awareness? I'm trying to remember that moment in time myself. It's not it's not so clear to me, to be honest. Uh, you know, the term celebrity chef is still something yeah, that, yeah. That, that's foreign to me in a way. Let's call um, you an influencer chef. I, I, I do know that I am very comfortable, which most chefs are not. Listen, the chef is technically a back of the house position. It means they want to be in the back of the house. They don't want to be engaging with people. They don't want to be around people. Right. Um, I definitely broke that mold. Uh, you know, I followed uh, Emeril Lagasse and Bobby and some guys like that. Like, and, I, and educate all of us, because those are obviously names that a lot of people listening right now may be more familiar with once they became TV stars. Yeah. Were those guys in their restaurants also very front of the house? Were they very you know, on I, the floor? I think so, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure. sure. But yeah. I, look, I also know when I started at Lore, when we opened up Lore, I was running around the dining room. You know, How old were you when, when you opened up Lore? So that's, uh, is, it, is it 2000 and... One, 2002, is about 15, 16 years ago. But even before that, look, I was at Matthews, I was at Alva, like I was always in the dining room. But I do remember when we opened the floor, it was a big deal, it was a new restaurant, and my partners at the time, I was touching tables. I knew every table in the room. I'm dropping little amuse bouches, right? Get from the chef, whatever it may be. And I remember the two of them looking at me like they said to me, shouldn't you be in the kitchen? I said, guys, first of all, number one, I would never expose myself to the dining room if food was taking too long, if food wasn't coming out good and hot. Like, I know the I have a team. You have to trust your team in the back. My executive chef, my line coach to execute my service staff. And I'm just gonna put on a show out here and give people a reason to come back. And all of a sudden it went from shouldn't you be in the kitchen to came on, do, on no came on, do me a favor, say hello to my friends on table yeah. 14, 16, 18, boom, boom, boom. And and you know, when 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 you would come in with with whoever it may yeah. be and with another couple, and I'm at the table and I'm dropping some eggs or I'm doing this, I'm putting on a show. The other couple always says to me, hey, can we come back to you with yeah. our friends? Yeah, of course. And will you do this little, yeah. you know, the, the, the dance? The thing. You know, yeah, the thing. The thing. You know, can we get some deviled eggs? Like, yeah. okay, if, if that's going to give you a reason to come back and spend money in this restaurant, you're damn sure I will. The ROI of those deviled eggs with seven caviar little eggs on Tremendous. top. Right, Roddy? It's a tough. It's give, us, give, us a, give us a little behind the curtain, guys, as, as you know, restaurateurs that have had success, like, you know, the nuances, the glass of champagne, the hello, the 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 free dessert, the the you know the offense. There's defense. Yeah, anything, Everybody, anything. like, let me just set this up. There's definitely defense, right? All of us that are listening have had something go wrong and this and that. And you always watch. I'm a businessman, so I've always been curious of mistakes happen. What do people do about the mistake? Do they go crazy over the top? Do they nail it right down the pike? Do they underperform because there's audacity? I always watch that. We all have probably at this point, if you're listening, had, uh, you know, cause that's what's hard about the hospitality business. Something go awry and, and, and you know, let's call it what it is. Eight out of 10 places will come through with something to me. But, but I've always been fascinated with the offense. Yeah. Where nothing's gone wrong, but the place is just trying to really get you there. You know, what's the mentality of that? What, what, what have you been, actually, let's make this fun. Tell me, Something a restaurant did. Let's give you know one thing we've talked about behind the scenes is being one of the best engines for other restaurant tours, right? Like, like, like just being really friendly 
and pro other places. Other fr- we all have so many friends in the business. Yep. Let's give a shout out right now to someone. Both of you, I'm, I'm, I'm going long-winded here to give you a couple minutes to think. Tell me a very specific experience of a place that really caught you and caught your mind, your heart, your feelings on a very good offensive move. What comes to mind? Roddy, go first. Oh, wow. Uh, I got one. I'm going to say my buddy, John Meadow, uh, who is the proprietor, uh, CEO of LDV Hospitality. Um, They own Scarpetta and a bunch of other properties and just the touches from handwritten notes to a thoughtful glass of champagne. My wife and I went to Scarpetta. It's one of our first nights out during COVID. We sat outside. It was freezing out, but they built a beautiful ski chalet. And there was, you know, a, a perfect glass of champagne to start the night with a handwritten note from John. He wasn't able to be there, but he wanted me to know that he was appreciative that I was there and he wanted to wish us a happy anniversary. I think those thoughtful moments, you know, of something that I'm not going to say that it's insignificant from a cost standpoint to a restaurant, but it is something they're giving away for free. I think if you intelligently do a comp or we called it a fluff item at Empeon, you could really change people's experiences, which is what I loved. I think though that the fluff or the, you know, the comp or whatever you want to call it, if done wrong, could also bring a meal the wrong way. You know, a lot of people just crush you on dessert and do an unthoughtful fluff. And maybe they're not really thinking about the guests or the table or the health restrictions, or, you know, maybe they're on a diet. You have to look at what somebody, you know, how they interact, how they look at the menu, how they're eating, how they're ordering. How you know, they're the situation, right? You're watching. You're, you're watching, you're trying to fill the gap and bring them somewhere that, they, that they're not able to get to themselves. Maybe you hear them talk about a dish and they're interested, but they didn't order it. Maybe they're price sensitive to it. So there's a lot of ways to do a fluff that I feel like it gives you incredible power to change somebody's night, but it also done the wrong way can be awkward. Some people don't want to leave the dessert on the table. Right, right. How about when, when somebody just drops something on the table, okay. never bothers to say, hey, this is a little something from the I'm chef. You don't know if you're supposed to eat it or not because we didn't order it. Nobody told you it was for free or a comp. I, I always eat it immediately. Yes. And when they come back and go, like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I'm just got a little free broccoli rob. <laughs> K-Pod, how about for you? Um, specific thing. Well, well, specific. One, well, I always train my staff, by the way. This doesn't sound like the starting point of a specific Anybody, no, anybody no. can come into the restaurant. No, you and have a very, I'm talking, Gary. Anybody can come into the restaurant and have a very nice What's your favorite movie? Sorry, no. Full metal jacket. <laughs> Anybody can come into the restaurant and have a lovely experience, right? You can always have a lovely experience. But one thing I always train my staff, if somebody comes in and something goes wrong, you have the chance to go above and beyond to really make it a much more memorable 100%. experience. Obviously, you could just say, hey, sorry, it went wrong. But you can At BCR Group, we're going to do things wrong on purpose. On purpose. Just to over-deliver. Yes, your is def- you're going to definitely wait too long, but we're going to really over is going to carry you home. Yeah. Like, literally home. In the city, like, carry you three You blocks. do have a chance to above and beyond to, to the point where they say, can you know what? the question. You know, I think for me, I, listen, my wife, um, my wife is gluten and dairy free, but she loves good food. She loves good food. So, so very often we go into the restaurant and the first thing I say is, her, hey, she, you know, she's gluten and dairy free. And what I don't want that to ever happen, by the way, is to diminish 
my experience. Right. I don't, I don't You're know. You're basically is this video, wait, wait. Is this video? Because I am not, I don't know if you know this, but I am not gluten and dairy free. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to suffer because so she you're basically is. wink wink right. like hey save them with my save bring my her daughter. stuff right. to me bring yeah. her stuff don't to me. not bring the bread yeah. basket because she's gluten yeah. free I, I, we'll figure it out but I think Michael White a, a very dear friend yeah. of mine one of the best chefs in the Roddy, world on, on, please, we celebrated we celebrated uh, three birthdays in a row with with Rory and Maria and and because you know when we sit down and the first thing I say to the waiter is she's she's gluten dairy free and this is like home of the best pasta in the world because yeah. of because yeah. of Michael White yeah. And he goes, Chef White has this all under control. Sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. And not only is she eating the best gluten-free pasta courses, but so am I. And then the cake comes out, and there was always two, one gluten-free. So I just think, just yeah. know, just be knowing ahead of time that not only is my wife yeah. going to be taken care of, my wife, who I love very much, she knows, right? Ground control to Major Tom. Anyway, more importantly, my wife is being taken care of. But I know that the big guy over here is going to be taking. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! This makes me beg the question: Did you invent the everything bagel, Gary? <laughs> it is on record that in 1986 I invented the everything bagel at Pomona Hot Bagels, working with Stella, my best friend Jason Prussia was a witness, and then David from David's Bagels stole it within weeks later. And I'm sure if you happen to Google who invented the everything bagel, it's his name's going to come up, not mine. Roddy, what, um, what, what, I have a good one. So I think the Vayner Nation is a bunch of very, very, very kind people. For fun. I'm actually, I actually, again, do not know the, I have a guess of what the answer is. Hot take. What is something that customers do that is a pet peeve of restaurants from like, like maybe not, I think, I'm sure the answer is showing up late for a res, but Educate us on a funny one. Forget about the obvious, like being incredibly rude to the staff. Is there a, like, I'm actually being very selfish right now. I'm scared that I do something that I don't, like I going through my life as an immigrant first generation, my parents were very insular. I had to like learn things like, I was always very good at tipping, so that never got scary. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a good one. Somewhere along the line in my 20s, one of my friends said, you're not leaving a tip for the, you know, the people that were cleaning the room. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like completely baffled. I'm like, whoa, you know, now at that, thank God at that point, I've been in like 10 hotel rooms in my life. Now it's like 10 a week. Now I know, it, but like, I never, I never knew that was a thing. So, you know, forget about late, forget about rude to the staff, forget about no tip, things that are like so easy. Is there a subtle one Roddy, that we don't Roddy, know? you wanna go first? You got one. No, no, Roddy, apologize, capons. Like, Kayvon usually needs to tell a story that has nothing to do with the answer. The fact that he has two answers, I need to hear them. Go, Chef. Well, I'm going to tell a story before I give the answer. No, I'm just kidding. Now, two of my biggest pet peeves are when people ask for salt before they even taste the food. Ooh. Like, if you go out for dinner, you know, we rule number one as a chef, or even if you're cooking at home, you never, you never serve anything to anybody without tasting it yourself. Say, ne say never like that again. Never. You never taste. Now, never, is that an N-E-double-B-A? Yeah. Okay. okay. One more time. With an exclamation point. You never. And you have to get the grunt in your mouth. Right, you never serve anything without tasting it yourself. I mean, if, if, if I'm watching my cooks be on the line and they're not tasting things before they serve them, how do you know they taste properly? Because you are going out to eat. 
incredible food that you should not have to season yourself because sprinkling salt that was probably in that salt shaker for a year with the rice in there. Wait a minute, why would we have salt? Are we gonna a VCR group? No, we no, no. we're not gonna have salt. Okay, well, so why? Like, but it, more importantly, you can't season food properly. Okay, next. Like the that's a good one. Love it. I so never do trust, that. Next, you know, taste never, the food before never. you answer the salt. Next, this is a selfish question. I don't even care about the listeners at this point. I never do that. Next, what's the other one? Number two, uh, I was most recently involved in the steakhouse, and one of my biggest pet peeves is somebody orders a steak medium rare. Right, you you, you, <laughs> you get it. They ask you to cook it. No, you get it. You get it. You spend time cooking this thing. You, you, it, an animal, an animal gave its life for it. It's an expensive piece of meat. You you probably cook. You let it rest, and then the, the, the server comes back with the steak, and they literally cut a little piece off the end of the steak, and they say this is overcooked. Well, you know, how about you cut it to the middle of the steak? And one thing that I can get away with that because you're a capon. I am a capon. And I saw you do this, so I know yeah. where you're about to go. You I, come back out I, I and you fight. I don't fight. You fight for the right, I, to, for to, rareness. Right. You fight for the right. I'm fighting for this animal who gave its life. Because first What's of all, you, fight you gotta fight for your right to party. Right. Most importantly, it's dark in dining rooms, so you don't see the. the, the, the real Was your concept. lighting at Bowery not good? Every dining room is dark. You're yeah. never gonna see what I see so in the kitchen. So real quick, we're not gonna have shitty salt, and we will have good lighting. And and you can't cut into the end of the steak. And I very I would always cut into the middle of the steak. And show I'm them. like, there's a perfect medium rare. I go back back out. Would you I go back, back out with the customer and my flesh. How many times? Nine out of ten? I think I'm about a thousand. Wow, okay. And by the way, I never want to put the customer Roddy, in a position. Roddy needs to talk. Roddy? I, I would say along those lines, sometimes customers or a lot of the times, <clears throat> excuse me, would complain about their food after they ate it. And, some, I don't know if it's, they're looking for it to be comped, yep. but they literally eat three quarters of a dish. And I we, always, like we, always <laughs> took the road. we always took the high road, but if you didn't like it, we're happy to make you something else or we're happy to take it off your check or we're happy to do both. But when they say they don't enjoy it, they eat the majority of it and then bring it up after. It makes you feel like they're taking advantage. PR group, can we take a selfie with that person on the spot and post it on our social? Call them the three, three quarters club. Yeah. And I'm the other pet peeve. And I, you know, I've never seen anybody do that. By the no, way, that, by the way, he nailed that one because it's very. I, wow. There are a few handful of people. Like, yeah, there's people that can't have eat they three got, quarters. They, they got concepts. And right? I think, you know, generally, I think social media is is tremendously beneficial for restaurants. You know, right. beautiful food imagery, all that. You know people being ambassadors on your behalf. That being said, you know, a lot of people will sit there and just take pictures of the food, you know, try to get ideal lighting, you know, and do this whole thing for the first, you know, four to five minutes after a dish drops. And that could really change the quality or the enjoyment. I, I know you don't like hearing that, Gary, but- No, no you like hearing that. That's like a good one, right? Like it's steaming, especially for a very hot dish. Yeah. You give up those first four or five minutes. Our goal as a chef is to get that food out of the noon, right? To the minute in yep. front of you as soon as possible. Even I, I know, you know sushi restaurants, you know, even even with the nori, with, with the nori, with the hand roll where it says crisp and you're taking the light and people doing it. The poor sushi chef was like, please, just eat it. So let's, go, let's, go speed round, let's go speed round to get to know Roddy and Kate Bottom and ask you a bunch of questions. One take answers. Sugar babies. Here we go. Favorite sushi like the actual like fish. What's your favorite sushi piece? Ah, uh, listen, I mean, you gotta pick one. I, I, it's I, Toro's guy. Toro, go. Toro's guy. Yeah, I go Toro. Roddy. Chutoro. What is your favorite 
starting beverage if you're having a real night, like Friday, Saturday, like a couple or like friends, like what will be your first day's work? What's your one more day to play? Come <laughs> on, everybody, get your roller skates today. All right, let's it's go. It's Saturday. I, I think I first think I think, listen. No, no, not for service. Like you. Yours is not champagne. I got it. I mean, okay. this is so easy. A Don Julio 1942 on the rocks, but I think a glass okay, of champagne. That's the area. I think a glass of champagne said Roddy. Everybody that knows me knows how I feel about the rock. It's a it's a Terramana, Reposado, chilled. It's it's an amazing tequila. Big fan. Love it. First choice for dessert, on average, your highest One. ratio, which dessert you pick. Me. Chocolate mousse cake from Wolfgang's. It's got the Oreo crust with the schlag on the side. Epic. It's like a splurge for me. My wife makes that for me at home on big celebrations. Always it's a go-to. There's no way I'm only ordering one dessert. It doesn't happen. I, I can't stand tables. I, you know, yeah. You want to go back to the other question, by the way? Go back to the other question. You know what I hate? When four people or six people order one dessert with five spoons. You know what I say? Go fuck yourself and go grab some ice cream around the corner because I need the table back. My mom used to do that. Bring us one dessert with four spoons. I'm like, no, bring us every dessert with five spoons. Like, um, for hey, me, Bob, you just, you, you, you on a different, I don't know if you did on this podcast or a Facebook live, you just shit on me for moderation. <laughs> and now you just told the world, if you don't eat a shitload of dessert, I'm upset with you. Can you take one? I, I think you have to order multiple desserts. You can't order one dessert. Okay. There's a pastry chef. Can you answer your question? Your single dessert choice. Um, You've got one to pick, brother. One to pick. Like, hey, sometimes no, no, not chocolate cream pie. I know you like it all. Uh, so we had a blueberry cream Everybody pie yesterday. Everybody can see you love it all, but like, no, no, you gotta pick one. One. Uh, a cannoli? Ice cream sandwich. Okay, very nice. Uh, I, by the way, I went through a year of my life where I had a chip which every night on my walk home from work. True story. I know. He's so healthy. I love that. Roddy. I'm sorry. Roddy. <laughs> Roddy. Did one, I say I'm healthy, Roddy? Roddy. One, the world comes, like, the, the god of food comes down and she says to you, Roddy, I've chosen you she, like to pick the type of food. New York City can now only have one type one genre, one type of food. Ooh. What do you pick for the sushi. for your sushi? Sushi. Okay. Capon? You are you are asking tough questions. You are asking very tough questions. I know. I'm just you want to answer the question. Revolves around food. All I want to do every day of my life. One, the worst question you could ask me Chef, is what would be your chef, last please. meal? Because my chef, last please. meal will be three chef, days please. long chef, and I will please. die before I make it to the chef. Chef, please. What genre of food, category food, do you, does New York City now, all restaurants, is it Italian, is it Greek, is it sushi? Like, you yeah, gotta answer. It's probably a toss up between Italian and really good Chinese. No, no, you gotta pick one, brother, and I know it's gonna be Chinese, so just say it. You are a big fan of Chinese, Josh. What'd you say? You are a big fan of Chinese. We had dinner, we had dinner, guys, we had dinner two weeks ago with a new potential business partnership we flew these guys into town. We're having a big celebratory dinner. Myself, Josh, Gary are there. We're going to an awesome Greek restaurant. Next door to that restaurant is a Chinese restaurant. A very good Chinese restaurant. Capon, who is supposedly very uh, hospitable and caring for other operators, did not care that I got this reservation booked, did not care that they hooked us up with a beautiful table. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You wanted me to cancel it on the spot while after we checked in, and you wanted to call a blitz and go next door and crush Chinese food. Not a blitz. It was called an audible. And who were we supposed to be taking care of that night? 
We're supposed to be taking care of our clients that flew into dinner. I where did they want to eat, Roddy? Where did they want to eat? They were a couple of chefs. Where did they want to eat? Hands out, Chinese. They were peer pressured by you because you screamed at everybody. Gary overruled the whole thing. And at the end of the day, Which by is, the way, I don't know if you heard it's DCR Group. Yes, at the end of the day, the Greek restaurant was the right call. But the our our, our chef friends the, at Florida I think the town, Chinese restaurant was the right call. I, I, I think I'm they a hundred percent want the record. We're catering. All right. Final, final, final question. One word to describe what the BCR group is gonna bring to the world. Capon? One word. One. He's not capable of one word. Yes, he is. Yeah, one word. Roddy, you'll go first. Capon needs a lot of time. One word. One. I go Creativity. What? Creativity. Creativity. Capon? I go love. Love. Boys, I'm very excited to be in business with you. I can't wait to have you back on once we've got some meat on the bone, pun intended, Ooh. and open up well, our first joint. You meat on the bone. I know. Well, we should have taken a picture of the veal chop bone last night that had no marks. I put, I'm, I put in work. Proper work. Roddy, you want to say something? No, this was awesome. Love you, brother. VCRgroup.com. Please check it out if you've got business development opportunities. Roddy literally lives for the emails that come through the form. Lives for them. He takes screenshots and he's like, I can't believe this person in Albania wants guys, guys, just email me directly. It all flows to me anyway. David at vcrgroup.com. Do not bother emailing Capon. Do not email bother emailing Gary. Just come direct to me. I'll holler back. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. By the way, if you have any cooking questions, you can, you can email me directly at Capon at vcrgroup.com. And tune into our Instagram feed as well as our TikTok feed. We're having a lot of fun producing some really quality content, entertaining, educational, and engaging all at the same time. Uh, my parting thoughts are with the reference Capon made, there's nobody listening to this podcast that can beat me in Monopoly. Thank you for listening, BCR Group. I love you. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people. You know, it's so funny. People that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away, which were our favorites this week? Thanks so much, Gary. Today's amazing five-star review reads, If you don't know Gary Vee or listen to his podcast, this New York legend is a must-listen. I've been a fan for Gary for years. He constantly predicts the futures and... Fuck, man. Thanks so much, Gary. Today's amazing review reads, If you don't know Gary Vee or listen to this podcast, this New York legend is a must-listen. I've been a fan of Gary for years, and he constantly predicts trends and future cultural changes. In this episode, he does it again, predicting so much post-COVID real-life experiences from 2018. College debt, Amazon sales, flipping, crypto, and internet marketing. Thanks, Gary. Keep on crushing it. Thank you so much for that kind review. And to anybody else listening out there, if you leave us a review, you might just get shouted out in the next episode.